Women are always questioning ourselves, always as seeking approval from others. It doesn't matter who you are, which ethnic background you come. And all I want to do is self-love, self-care, believe in yourself. It's very important for women. We don't do that. We always ask, oh, what do you think? Ask yourself, what do I think about myself? And pat yourself. You're doing a good job. Did you know that women from different ethnic backgrounds experience perimenopause and menopause differently? Perimenopause and menopause are natural phases in a woman's life that often go unnoticed and unacknowledged. These transitional periods can bring about significant physical and emotional changes, yet they are rarely discussed openly or supported adequately. As a result, many women feel isolated and ashamed and unsure of how to navigate this new chapter in their lives. Men, this episode is for you too, by the way. Holding space for women during this important transitional time is the best way to offer support and love. Welcome back, athletes. I'm your host, Sherry Shaban, and with each episode, I am honored to be your coaching guide in the journey to fall in love with fitness and ultimately yourself. My intention in each episode is to help you release the old story of who you are and step into the one you are always meant to be. Through these conversations, Together, we will step away from focusing on the doing and step into the being so that health and fitness is not just what you do, but who you are. In this episode, Amita Sharma, a passionate advocate for women's health, sheds light on the shame and taboo surrounding perimenopause and menopause, discussing how these natural transitions are often stigmatized. Our conversation quickly transitions to a topic that is often overlooked, women's health specifically perimenopause and menopause and women's sexuality. We emphasize the need for increased attention to these experiences, particularly in light of cultural differences. Join us as we break down societal stigmas surrounding women's health, encourage support and understanding, and explore practical ways to improve the lives of women everywhere. Tune in for an eye-opening conversation that challenges norms and fosters positive change. Now, a couple more things, athletes, before we meet Anita. If you are struggling with unwanted eating behavior, I want to invite you to download my food freedom workbook completely free at makepeacewithfood.com. This will help you get started on your healing journey. And because I know from experience how lonely and frustrating this journey can be, I want to expand on that invitation and invite you to schedule a free 30-minute food freedom coaching call with me as well. This link is in the workbook you'll download. Remember that we can't focus on our nutrition or fitness until we address our relationship with food and the self-sabotaging behavior that results as a consequence. All right, second thing, transformation in Paradise, Costa Rica is completely sold out. But I've got a surprise for you today and I'm only sharing this here, I haven't announced it yet, so you're gonna be the first to hear this. If you weren't able to join me in Costa Rica this year, you'll have the opportunity to come to our next retreat in Lafcada, Greece next October. The waiting list for early bird registration opens in two weeks. Now I'm gonna be sending out an email with the details as well as sharing the early bird waiting list link on the show next week. So make sure you join the waiting list to get first dibs to join and to catch the early bird pricing. Now spots are limited and we have, by the way, the most gorgeous view that will take your breath away. Oh man, I can imagine it now delicious homemade Greek food overlooking a 360 degree 
panorama of the ocean and the mountains. I can't wait to share the details. And remember, you can always email me at sherry at sherryshaban.com for more info or to make sure you get on the Transformation in Paradise Greece early bird waiting list. All right, athletes, now let's meet Anita. Hi, Anita. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited. So am I. And I have to tell you, like, right off the bat, you have this gorgeous energy. You have this radiating energy. I'm not really sure what it is. It's the second time I met you, so I confirm that it's there. And I'm curious if you've ever heard this before. Have people told you that you have this beautiful radiant energy? You probably hear that a lot, eh? I do. The only thing I tell people is that I try to keep myself positive no matter what life has thrown on me. And it like throws all kind of curveballs on everyone. Try to smile and try to be happy and try to keep the positive attitude. That's all I can say about me. Oh my goodness. We're starting like this. This is, this is beautiful. Okay. So let, let's get into that. That's actually the first question I'm going to have to ask you today, because people are like, what do you mean be positive? But all these terrible things are going on in my life. How can I just be positive and smile through the things that are happening? What would you have to say around that? So, so th things that happened in my life as well, you know, what you have to do during that time when you're going through a rough phase is introspect, right? Look internally and try to think, what kind of positive things God has given you? What, what kind of strengths God has given you? What can you do to endure this process? I mean, this whole phase of life that, that you know, the darkness, so, so to speak, right? The light will come. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just internalizing it and keeping that faith, have faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. These are the things that, that have carried me through. And, and I think these are simple things. So that's what I would say. I had written down in my notes, which I was just trying to find that radical acceptance, I think, mm -hmm. is pathway to just being gratitude, to having gratitude and just to be positive. Because I think sometimes when we avoid accepting the things that are happening in our life as, okay, this is fact, like this is gravity, this is truly happening, and we're trying to control our environment, that's oftentimes where we have a hard time being positive. Because there are certain things that 100% happen to all of us. We all experience loss. This is going to happen to everyone. We all experience hardships like you just shared. This this happens to all of us. We all become ill. Things come out of out of our control. We can't control everything. And then also we have to work hard. We have to work hard towards the things that we want. And I think once we get to that acceptance of these things happen in life, loss yeah. that happens, hard work is what is required to create things and that there will always be things out of our control. I think when we're in this place, it's much easier to harness that place of positivity because this is happening in every single person's life, but just in a different form. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I'm watching this show Outlander. Oh, and yeah. It's beautiful. And if you watch any of the Vikings, you know, so in the historical times, they had to go hunt every single day for food, right? So, so it's the same analogy I use now literally not going hunting in the mountains or the forest, but we have to do something every single day in our life. Every single day we have to, you know, when we, at the end of the day, you've given your best shot, whatever it is. Right. And that's, if you keep that attitude, whatever you're doing, you are giving your best God, you know, I believe in the, you know, I'm not saying God, but general somewhere up there, you will get a, you'll see a, some kind of a pathway towards where you are heading. And, and that's, I can say with certainty has happened to me. 
That's so beautiful. I love that you say that. And you know, this also just reminds me of how important it is to be surrounded by someone like you, because we constantly need this reminder. And it's so easy to get locked into the things happening in our life that are out of control, things happening in our body, which is what we're going to talk about today. But I think also being connected with those who have that positive outlook, who truly understand that it does happen through a place of acceptance and just understanding that this is the flow of life and we have to follow the flow of life. Sometimes that means there will be amazing positive things happening. And at the same time, there will be other things happening that just, just are. And so to your point, there is that level of acceptance that we have to do, especially when it comes to those hardships. And I love that we started talking about how positivity is actually a practice and we have to practice it just like any other muscle. If I continue to learn acceptance and just be in the acceptance of things happening to me, knowing that I gave it my best shot, knowing that no matter what, I did the best that I could, I feel that that is actually quite a relief and not feeling that I it's up to me essentially to have to control everything and to control the outcome. So thank you for that. And thank you for that reminder also. I think I needed to hear that today. Okay, great, great. Okay, so today we're we're talking about a very sensitive topic. We're talking about a very, very important one. I think one that actually gets very little attention and we are talking about women's health, especially how natural it is through the processes of perimenopause and menopause. And that also not all women are equal depending on their background and on their ethnicity. And so before we dive into that, Amita, I just wanna understand first, why is this work important to you? So <clears throat> I feel very passionate about this work. Well, number one, as a perimenopausal woman, I went through some of the things which at that time felt ashamed. I, I did not know who to talk to. I did not know what was happening in my body and all these things. And then culturally also, not that, you know, in America, I think everybody is same, but coming from a place like Indian culture, you know, this is not something that you go and start discussing. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm having a baby. Oh, now I'm perimenopausal or menopausal or postmenopausal, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I felt that irrespective of the ethnic culture women are coming from, all women all over the world feel ashamed during this process, during this phase of their life. You know, I thought first it was only cultural coming from some of the cultures, but no, it's even here, you know, right? Absolutely. So so all these things kind of, you know, bubbled up to me and I, and I started researching and here I am talking to you. That's how this whole journey started. It wasn't one day switch on. Okay, I'm going to talk about perimenopause. There's a lot of small, small events, small, small triggers that happen that eventually got me to a point. Someone needs to work on this more deeply rather than just on the surface. Yeah, so good. And you're right. It is such a taboo co conversation, right? Not just from a cultural perspective, but also just even in North America. And I could tell you my background's Egyptian and I've heard this all the time. Like I hear this all the time from my dad. And what's super interesting is his profession was OBGYN. Okay. So oh, okay. you have to imagine this. My mom was a pediatrician. She passed away and my dad was OBGYN. So you have to imagine what our dinnertime conversations were like growing up, right? That was very fun. But I remember him always saying that women essentially, once they reach menopause, that's it. Like they lose, lose all their beauty, they lose everything. And so there's a lot of value attached on that time of your life. You have beauty and you have radiance and you are a woman fully while you're menstruating. But then the moment that you hit menopause, well, 
you know, you're cast aside now. And now we're really focusing on the women that are still menstruating, that are still reproductively active. And so I'm super curious about that. If you're noticing that too, that kind of mindset when it comes to worth mm -hmm. and value and then the woman's cycle and just where she as she's at in her age. Absolutely. It's prevalent all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like just to give you some, some statistics in America, 44% of the workforce nowadays is over women over 45. Now they're perimenopausal. We know that because of the, their age. So it has to be accepted, right? If you can imagine half of your workforce is perimenopausal women. Now as a corporation, I don't know, nobody has brought it up and this is not something that, you know, is discussed in corporate America or in families. That is something needs to come out. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so what is that support system that you have in place? Because to your point, and I think this is this is a conversation that I can say I don't hear often from, let's say, the medical world. Right. We definitely focus on women's health when it comes to pregnancy. So we've got a whole division in medicine that is completely focused on women's reproductive health. And then, of course, following them through their gestational time. But then afterwards, we don't really hear much later on once that menstrual period is over and their life that chapter comes to an end what comes next so what is that support that you have laid out for women so before i talk about the support i want to i want every woman to understand most of the gynecologists like your, your dad also they are not taught about menopause perimenopause in the medical schools and that is why that you don't see this discussion happening from the medical industry as much as it should so, so that's one of the reasons, because if they're not taught about this, they're not going to, you know, if you go to your gynecologist when you're pregnant after that, she doesn't tell you, oh, by the way, after this five years from now or 10 years from now, you're going to hit perimenopause, you should come and see me. I have never heard that or anyone, her or him say that to me. Right. So that is part of the problem too, the education, the awareness amongst the medical community, right, that I discovered. Now, going back to your support, what we are trying to do is what I'm trying to do is trying to create awareness, education during this phase, right? A holistic approach that women should take during this phase of their life. This is not a taboo. This is not end of your life. You are still beautiful. If you make some lifestyle changes, if you embrace the holistic lifestyle, you are still beautiful. You don't have to feel that suddenly I'm, you're going to stop living. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, with, with our team, trying to bring the emotional, physical, mental, spiritual support to women during this phase. So good. So I think you cut off in the last part, so we'll just repeat. So what you're helping and supporting with is the physical, spiritual, and mental aspects when it comes to this, this period of our life. Right, right. And so I want to also tie in sexuality for just a moment because there's also that concept, right, especially around health around sexual health and around just the physical changes that happen in the body, there is also a lot of understanding or maybe stigma around this period of our life for women where we now no longer have sexual desire or even our sexuality has changed. And so what would you say around that and what have you seen with your work and your research in this topic? So, so that definitely that there is a loss of libido that, you know, because of the female sex hormones going down, that is a fact. Now, the fact is also that it can impact your relationships in a negative way. For example, there is a lot of stats in UK, 60% of the divorces are happening during the menopausal, perimenopausal years of a woman's life. Mm -hmm. 
So that I'm sure, you know, nobody has done research as to if the sex, sexual health is one of the primary reasons, but you can attribute that to the, the divorce. So there are ways that women can, uh, you know, improve their sex, sexual health. I would say that there are multiple things, yoga, breathing, some exercises, some diet, some, you know, vaginal creams. There, there are ways that they can, you know, in, reinvigorate themselves. So it's not that completely the sexual health is over. Sexual health, even though, you know, you're doing it with your partner, you can also do it by yourself because sexual health is important. That's where the life has come out. If you think about it, we are all born from there. Right. So right, so we, we should try to, you know, that part of the body, we should take care of that the same way we are taking care of other things. That's what I have to say about it. And there are ways to do that. Right. Yeah. And then let's also insert here that, you know, as we age, whether you're male or female or whatever you identify as, there are changes that happen in the body. And so men will also experience their own set of issues when it comes to age related sexual health. And so I want to just point that out here, because again, I think that the focus is always on, okay, woman, it's very clear. She's going to go through menopause. There's going to be changes. And there's going to be loss of libido, as you just mentioned, but the same or similar thing actually does happen to men as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's this holding of space for everyone to just understand that this is a natural part of aging and that there is something to do about it, that there is a solution. There is a way to be able to transition into this part of your life where you feel comfortable. You know that what you're going through is normal, that you understand also what's happening on the body level, especially as it associates to your cultural background or your ethnicity. And then that there's also people around you that you can speak to and that there are solutions and answers to all the questions that you have around that. And I think that's what's really important, Amita. And I love what you're doing. I have so much mad respect for what you're doing because awareness is so incredibly important. And especially anyone going through something feeling like they're alone, that there's something wrong with them and that they don't have that support around them to really be able to feel more comfortable in that transition stage of their life. Absolutely. I just want to point out like for men if you remember when viagra came out right yeah. and i remember bob dole i think if i'm not mistaken or some of the one of the senators was you know oh, i take viagra and it was such a celebration amongst the men but we can never talk about women's sexual health at all right right so so, so it's just a societal thing it's, it's like how society perceives the men it's okay to give them a pill that that helps with their sexual health for women we always said, no, 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 we don't want to talk about it. We just go, Shh. right. So, so that is also something that I think we need to be open about the sexual health is equally important for men as well as women. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about even just growing up, I mean, I, again, I grew up in an Egyptian family and I'm going to say this so openly and so publicly because I'm certain that I'm not the only person who experienced something like this, but definitely the way that sexuality was spoken about when it came to my brothers was very different than when it came to my sister and I. And there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of names even that are created for women who are promiscuous, let's say. So if we think about our society, we don't have a lot of terms that we call men for being promiscuous or for you know acting in a certain way, but there's a whole list of things you can call a woman if she does that. And so there's, there's this attachment of guilt and shame that is already implanted from such a young child, not just through parents, but from society. I mean, where else does it come from? Parents are just trying to teach their kids what they know, what they think is right. And so this is what ends up happening 
and now we don't talk about women's health and sexual health in this way because there's a lot of taboo around it whereas mm -hmm. of course it's always about the men's pleasure and it's all about focusing on the men and and all these things and we can go down the rabbit hole of pornography and all that but i think we can all agree that there is definitely a a little bit of polarity around what is taught to men and then also what is taught to women yeah, I mean, this podcast is not only about sexual health, but I just want to comment one thing. The sexual health for women is is is, is very, it's good for their overall health, right? right? And, and for their hair, for their skin, you know, for the, as a pain reliever, for, uh, because the hormones that are secreted are happy hormones, oxytocin, so, so for your mental health, all these things, there's a medical angle, and I'm not a medical doctor here, I'm, all I'm citing is some kind of a studies and research out there. If you go, why sexual health is important for your general health, you type it in and you will find all the reasons. I think we, we need to take the holistic health angle rather, pleasure is of course one of the things which we emphasize so much on men, not on women, but if we take the angle of the holistic health and how it's helpful for your overall health, then majority of the society would understand why it is important, right? It's not taken as what we were talking about, all the names that, you know, society would attribute to women. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. And thanks for sharing that. You know, one thing I learned from you from when we connected last time was that depending on your ethnicity, you actually experience perimenopause and menopause in a different way. I had no idea. This blew my mind. So this is already in itself like a massive aha moment. And again, if any woman is listening, I think that you would take away a lot from our conversation today. And, and I mean, I think we can both agree that today we're not replacing any medical advice that is given by doctors. That's not what we're doing here at all. And if you are being followed by your doctor for a particular condition, then we're not saying that you have to change anything and that's absolutely not the influence but instead what we do want to share is the commonalities and how normal this is and for women just to have more awareness around what is going on in this period of their life and that there is a community and a support system around this if you're needing it so can you share a little bit about that amita just what we shared in our mm -hmm. conversation last time around ethnical influence mm -hmm. of this period of our lives yes so we talked about depending on your ethnic ethnicity the age, so there are two things, the age when you're going to hit menopause and the symptoms, different different symptoms and the severity of the symptoms. So three things differ. So I'll give you an example. For example, Latino and African-American women, they experience typical, you know, where I'm talking, quoting average age is 47, 48 versus a Caucasian woman is 51, 52, which is the normal age. That is a normal age, should be the normal age for all women. Another nonprofit I'm working with in Sudan mm -hmm. and Sudan and that's in you know Northeast Africa, Northwest Africa, I think. So those women, predominantly a Muslim culture there, they experience perimenopause at the age of 43, 44. Mm -hmm. So many years earlier. And if you look at Indian women in India, they experience 46, 47. So, so the so I, I just shared with you common, you know, overall ethnic groups here, and the reason being that is because of their lifestyle mm -hmm. and the the type of lifestyle they have. Uh, for instance, Latino and African American women probably don't have access to organic foods or fresh foods, and they're eating more of processed foods. That that could be attributed one of the reasons. Probably in, in a place like India, India is a diabetes capital diabetes and early menopause is a strong link right these kind of things 
and and you can say Caucasian women have the luxury to afford most of the you know the foods what we're talking about so there is more like a normal age if you look at the symptoms the hot flashes which is one of the common symptoms hot flashes and night sweats are more severe in african-american women and latino women than any other ethnic groups as an example now some some of the ethnic groups have more like a bone health issues or joint pains and that is also maybe the sedentary lifestyle right if you like i was talking about this sudan women in sudan they have that because more than likely they don't exercise they have more sedentary lifestyle because of their culture so it and the japanese women don't have as many severe symptoms of hot flashes as other women because of the diet that they have been eating soup-based diet a lot of uh, natural soy too much soy is not good we know that but so these are nuances mm. of depending on the ethnic background that you're coming from you're going to experience you know the age at which you do the symptoms at what you do and the severity of the symptoms so women should understand their lifestyle and ethnic background as well amazing wow all right so from what i understand perimenopause hits somewhere in the early 40s depending on your cultural background or your ethnicity and then how long does that last and then also maybe if we can share some symptoms of how you know you're in peri perimenopause i know you mentioned night sweats and some hot flashes but what else what are other markers that we would look at there are so many markers there are over 37 plus markers can you believe it it's not, i don't want to scare <laughs> how do you keep track of those <laughs> but so perimenopause can occur as early as your mid-30s right if if someone is hitting menopause in mid-40s it could start 10 years before you're hitting menopause wow. approximately seven to 10 years so that is why perimenopause is so important we most of the time we hear about menopause menopause is nothing but your periods are ended and you haven't had any period for a period of 12 months that's menopause but the, the time before that when all these symptoms that you asked me they could start seven to ten years earlier than that so 40 is a safe uh, age that i could say most of the women we will start experiencing the first sign is the irregular period the periods are shorter in the sense they don't happen after 28 days they could happen after 15 days 21 days as you start progressing through the phases of this perimenopause, then they would be further apart. Your period could come after three months, four months, two months, five months, whatever. So that's the first sign, the irregular period. That's number one. Hot flashes and night sweats are typically attributed to this phase of you know, your stage as well. Weight gain is another one, specifically around your belly, right? most of the women will complain about oh my god i've got this belly i cannot get rid of belly bloating weight gain sleeping issues at night is another one we have hard time sleeping brain fog suddenly you'll forget something so what did i do oh so you know and then oh i did this earlier so brain fog is another one that you know women start forgetting things and we are so good at remembering most of the women are like oh i can remember like 30 years back if someone asked me oh yeah i remember that suddenly now you're getting this brain fog right and and sleep brain fog is so critical because if you're a working woman guess what's going to happen the next day at your work is your productivity is going to go down right and then joint health your heart health your bone health bone density starts going down you could be subject you, you could be prone to osteoporosis if you don't take care of yourself you could be prone to dementia 
diabetes if you if you if your weight is a bit higher more than it's supposed to be suddenly you feel teary and you know like angry and mood swings right suddenly you're angry suddenly you're crying there's another one so you know people can say oh my god she's having all these symptoms and she's going a little cuckoo but these are the strange things that are happening to to us and other thing that happens is just very strange all the trauma most of the most of us have gone through some kind of a trauma or some kind of a distress and stress and anxiety and all that that bubbles up and suddenly it's boom it's like coming out like a volcano right wow. right you, mm-hmm. your gut health mm-hmm. goes crazy mm-hmm. and mental health because we know gut and mental mm-hmm. are related so these are some of the symptoms that that i'm just listing Wow. Wow. I didn't know about that last part that you just added. So that's, that's actually very, very interesting for me, just, especially just, just, just all these new symptoms. And and as you're sharing these symptoms, I have to say like, you know, women, like we live our whole lives, like, God, I can't wait till I stop getting my period. Like, oh gosh, like I can't wait. And then the moment that you do, then it's almost like this, wait a minute, I just lost this part of my life. And so it, it's super interesting because I'm feeling both emotions, to be honest, as you're sharing, I'm 43. And so as we're having this conversation, you know, there's this moment where we all wait for like, oh my God, I don't have to deal with this anymore for the rest of my life. But then when you are at that stage, you realize like, holy smokes, I'm at a next stage of my life. And so for someone experiencing this, Amita, and just just understanding that these symptoms, which really, really affect your life, obviously, especially the feeling like you're going crazy or someone calling you crazy or not understanding what is what is going on with your emotions and why you're you're seeming to be so sensitive around certain things is there a support around this time to facilitate this transition so that these symptoms are not so extreme so is there a way that we can manage these symptoms so that we can feel a little bit more at ease in our lives absolutely so there are certain different different things that women can do the most obvious one is HRT, what they call it, hormone replacement therapy. And like I said, I'm not a medical doctor, you know, so what you're doing is the reason all these things are happening in our bodies is because our female sex or female hormones, estrogen and progesterone are going down slowly, 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 they're going down. So hormone replacement therapy, you need to see a physician and they can give you basically, you know, putting the hormones back in, in estrogen and progesterone. Now the other, and then there's a bioidentical hormones, and those are very technical things. I'm not going to go into all that, but what you can do as a woman is embrace the holistic lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? Changing your diet, nutrition, your exercise routine, your, we were talking about your, your mental health, all these things, you're using holistic therapies, different, like Ayurveda principles, like yoga breathing principles, acupressure, acupuncture, simple herbs. All these things, if you are equipped and you take get the tools to equip yourself, you can navigate the space in a much, much better way. You know, and I'm not saying don't get HRT. I'm just sharing all the options women have. And women think, oh, I only need to take pill to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Most some of the women can be, they don't want HRT or they, they cannot take the pills. Some of the cancer survivors, as an example, or, you know, but the no matter if you take HRT or not, embracing a holistic lifestyle is the step number one. All of us should really understand what is it that we can do with our entire daily routine, our entire life to help us thrive in this phase and also not be prone to the chronic conditions that happen to 50% of the women out there. 50% of them have two or more chronic conditions. Mm, wow. It's very scary, very scary. So what are those two conditions then? which conditions i'm sorry so you're just saying that they 
end up having chronic conditions. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about osteoarthritis. And- yes, osteoporosis, heart, heart, heart issues, right? Dementia, diabetes. We talked about that metabolic syndrome. Yes. Right. So, so the, these are the chronic conditions, and we know that in the United States, in fact, all over the country, sixty-five percent of the medical cost is attributed to chronic conditions, and majority of them is going to women. Right. Right. And that's going to women over sixty because more than likely, they, you know, they were, were not aware that they have to take care of themselves during after the pregnancy. We just ignore, right. and then suddenly all these chronic conditions so uh, creep up on you. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting what you're saying. And, and actually what I'm hearing from you is that there is hope because it's yeah. a dead end. And, and I'm going to come in now as the fitness coach and also say that the majority of the women that I do work with are in the perimenopausal and menopausal age. And I'm telling you, I see it every single day that they transform their health, they transform their body. And many of them, even in their younger days, never even trained this way and never even actually approached health in this way. And so I'm going to say that it is completely possible. And it's not that we're going to reach perimenopause or menopause, and then that's it. We're just going to gain a whole bunch of weight and won't be able to do anything about it. And we're going to end up having osteoporosis. This conversation is about awareness that these things happen. That is the acceptance part. And then the other thing too, is that there is a solution and there is a way to manage this. And again, I see it every single day, every single day. That's what I see in my work that women, regardless of their age and where they are, even when they're post menopause, they still are able to transform their health and take control of their health. And so I hope again, that somebody walks away with that feeling of hope and that there is a possibility and that this is not a dead end. And that just means that essentially there's no more worth and no more value as a woman, but instead it's quite the opposite. And so I love this work, Amita. And so if we were to look at a a holistic approach, so someone who's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so what is a holistic approach then to Mm -hmm. all this? I know you talked about, all right, we're gonna manage our nutrition. We're gonna make some changes. We're gonna make some changes around exercise so that we can maybe do some weight bearing exercise Mm -hmm. to reduce the possibility of osteopenia or osteoporosis. What else would be another approach that would be holistic? So there are so many, right? And the interesting thing I want to emphasize is there is a research behind a ton of studies that it's not a voodoo science. So I want women to, you know, get that out of their head that this is all voodoo science. This is there's a lot of research on whatever I'm talking about in studies. Other than that, yoga and breathing exercises, pranayama, what we call them ton of research on yoga and breathing exercises mm-hmm. different type of breathing exercise can help women to calm themselves down that's one we talk about food and nutrition we know that there is so much research on the type of food food is med- medicine you know we know all about that mm-hmm. in addition to that acupressure right we all have meridian points in our bodies pressing some of the acupressure points specific points can help as well acupuncture acupressure acupuncture is with needles acupressures you know you can kind of do it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Now, the other thing is aromatherapy. Essential oils can help you. Mm-hmm. You need to know which ones to use. Mm-hmm. Ayurvedic daily routine principles can help you. Mm-hmm. Simple detoxification and cleansing can help you. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens is over the years, we accumulate a lot of toxins in our body. And we need to detoxify our bodies specifically, especially during the perimenopause phase because you don't want your body to have inflammation inside it 
-hmm. So simple cleanses, what we call it, khichdi cleanse. And in fact, there's a whole punch karma, but that has to be done under a physician. But women can still do a simple, not a juice cleanse, simple, you know, khichdi cleanse is what we call Ayurvedic cleanse or something that. Right. Or massaging yourself with oil. Right. That is, there is a research that's proven that helps you. Right. Shirodhara, right? what they call this, head, putting oil in your head continuously, a little bit of warm oil, it's going to help your parasympathetic system. It helps with your sleep, mental health, all these issues, research and studies behind it. Chanting Om, believe it or not. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I believe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you make the sound and you chant it, it's going to help your mental health, your stress and anxiety is going to start lowering down. Chanting Om. So good. So yeah. Some of the herbs. Now, herbs should always be taken again under, you know, naturopathic doctor or someone who understands the herbs because they can also, uh, you know, you don't want any reaction happening. Ashwagandha, as an example, has a ton of research and studies on anxiety, turmeric. We all know turmeric now, right? Turmeric, what we call it, there's a cute come in. Shatavri is another herb that's so helpful for women's health. So many things like I'm, I'm just giving you overall idea. But to start with having a daily routine for women, gratitude, you're positive. I talked about that, the positive attitude, right? It's so important. Letting go of your emotions because you hold, we women, we hold on to your emo, our emotions, right? From childhood, from whatever. You need to let go of emotions because what, guess what? Bad emotions are ingesting. You're ingesting your bad emotions. They're going to translate into some God knows what inside your body. You don't want, you do not want that. Right. I love you so much. This is so beautiful. This is so great. What I hear is simplicity. Like I really hear simplicity. And it's funny because someone's like breathing pranayamic really you're gonna tell me like i just have to breathe and if we really understand what's going on in the body when we're breathing i think we can shed a little bit more light so i have some ideas and and just from my my research and my background in osteopathy and also as a yoga teacher and as a yoga like person who practices yoga yeah, yeah, yeah. so amita to you what would you say is the benefit of breathing why is breathing a tool that we would use to maybe help us manage some of these symptoms so it calms our parasympathetic system, right? The brain cells right here. It, it starts when we are calm, when we are not stressed. Stress is a huge, huge issue, right? With women, all of us. And stress is so bad for all the other things that we talked about. So when you're breathing, like all these breathing exercises, can direct correlation with your brain, mm -hmm. your parasympathetic system. When that starts calming down, guess what starts happening? Mm -hmm. You're going to sleep better. You're going to have a better gut health because we know gut and mental is directly co correlated. Your skin is going to be much better because psoriasis is side effect of some of the women who are going through perimenopause and menopause. You have all these black, you know, have you noticed some of the, they have black patches on there or rosacea. So all, so breathing, different type of breathing can help your parasympathetic system. For example, the bee breathing, I'm sure you're aware of that. You just hold your thing and you go, you're chanting Om, and that will start calming you down. And that, so breathing also helps with your digestive system. Yes, yes. Right? So many things that it can help you. Pain management is another one. Breathing will help you. So it's huge. And, and meditation is another one. You know, sometimes I have a hard time sitting and meditating, but even if you can, for two minutes, just be with yourself, be present. Meditation is nothing but being present, right? 
so that that helps you too. Yoga Nidra, I'm sure you you know. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. There's another meditation that has research, and I'm going to point that out. It's called orgasmic meditation for sexual health. I think I'm not about that. I think a lot of women would want to know about that. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so that also has research, believe it or not. Right. With yeah. helping with women, specifically women's sexual health. Right. So 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 these are some of the tools that we women, hypnotherapy is another one. There has studies that hypnotherapy helps with heart flashes, DBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy. We know when we talk to our friends, we feel so much better. Right. Counseling, mental health counseling, art therapy, right? This, mm -hmm. The dance therapy. So many tools we have. Going to nature and walking, just oh, be, be among nature, gardening. So these are so many things we can start doing on a daily basis. Whatever you think that works for you, start with a simple daily routine. That's what I'm suggesting. And that's what I have done with my life is some kind of a daily routine that works for me as a person, whatever works for you as a person. Yeah, so good. Oh my goodness, I love all that. And I want to add one more thing to breathing. And, and I love what you said so much about how it really helps us go from sympathetic nervous state, which I call protection mode, to parasympathetic, which I call safety mode. And what we don't realize is that most of the time we're actually chest breathing or rib breathing. And so if right now somebody were to jump into my office as we're having this conversation, the first thing I would go is, right? And we're like, and we don't realize we're lifting up our ribs and we actually breathe very shallow when we're under stress. And so we actually carry this around all day and now add to it years and years and years. So we've been in this chronic state rib breathing and not really taking the full functionality of the diaphragm which is actually a pump for all of the organs and osteopathically we use the diaphragm whenever we're trying to release anything anytime there's a tension in the body anytime there's a lesion that's released we actually match the breath because the breath is the heartbeat of the body and that's the first <laughs> thing we do when we enter life we start to breathe and so there's also this level of matching or resonance <laughs> with other diaphragms in the body. We actually call the pelvic floor another diaphragm. So we have the thoracic diaphragm, which is what we breathe with. We have the pelvic floor, which is another diaphragm. And then up in, in the cranium, we have the tentorium cerebellum, which is another diaphragm. So all of these three things are in sync as we breathe, especially if we're able to expand fully from the diaphragm, we create this massive pump in the body. This massive pump is what moves the fluid around. It releases all the waste in the body. And so something as simple as breath that we oftentimes neglect or don't even over, don't look at it all as being so incredibly potent and powerful is what can change everything. And so if we do get into that habit of trying to breathe, maybe have an evening routine around it. And it could be so simple as placing your hand on your belly, one hand on your chest, and just making sure that you're expanding through your belly. It could even just start there. But of course, as you as you shared, Amita, there's many, many techniques. And I love what you said and couldn't agree more that you have to find something that works for you. And it's not gonna be the same thing as everyone else, but you find that thing that works for you and whatever helps you to overcome those symptoms. But I think the most important thing is really being able to shift into that safety mode where your body's feeling full acceptance and ease with everything that's going on that becomes so critical in all of our life situations. Absolutely, we didn't talk about pelvic health, you brought it up. That's one of the other symptoms, urinary incontinence, urinary tract infection, you know, women are more prone to that, bladder control, like you feel like suddenly you laugh and you feel like you're going to pee. That's, those are the symptoms that, that, you know, we need to make sure our pelvic floor 
is strong, right? That that's one of the reasons as well. You brought it up, and that's that's really good. Yeah, that's so good. I love this. We can definitely keep talking about this, and I think that we definitely need to meet again, Amita. I feel like there's going to be a part two or three of this conversation because there's so much here, and I'm curious if somebody is wanting to learn more. I know you have this amazing platform set up where you're combining a lot of different practitioners and people who are very knowledgeable in the field to really support women through this process. And so what does that look like? Is it that you have set up that can support women? Yeah, so the app is coming out in a couple of months by the end of the year, depending on your symptoms, a woman's symptoms and their cultural, if they want to reveal their ethnic background, they will be you know, simple, simple exercises, simple nutritional guidelines, you know, all the things we talked about, they will be navigated through this. The simple thing could be a self-care. That's the first step because we want to keep it very affordable, like $10 per month, sort of a point price point. So, so that's what we have designed, what we all talked about, incorporating all evidence-based holistic therapies that women can start exercising self-care self-love all the things we talked about that's that so that's what is coming out the app the second phase is if someone needs a little bit of hand-holding like we're working with a lot of non-profits you know i talked about sudan we're working with here in the united states and talking with someone in israel as well and you know in asian countries that could be on a bi-weekly basis for example we are going to start a program on pelvic health so bi-weekly there'll be like a expert who will come in as a urogynecologist or physical therapist that will navigate you, you have the ability to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And that, so that's another thing that we are launching. And then the third thing is someone needs personal one-on-one -on -one care, then you have the ability to get a team, team of naturopathic doctor, plus someone like yourself, who's a yoga and pranayama, you know, that expert and a dietitian, they will help you navigate your personalized plan based on exactly your Okay. symptoms and a detailed analysis and testing and all that so that's so we're making it tiered so that everyone has access to what we talked about awareness right we talked about that first thing awareness education that should be accessible to everyone in the world wow so good you're doing such important work amita and i honor you so much for it it's so incredibly valuable and thank you for doing this and thank you for offering this for women and so as we wrap it up today, Amita, was there anything else that you wanted to share that you didn't have a chance to just yet? So I think we women are always questioning ourselves. We are always uh, seeking approval from others, mm -hmm. um, right? Doesn't matter who, who you are, which ethnic background you come. And all I want to do is self-love, self-care, believe in yourself. It's very important for women. We don't do that. We always ask, oh, what do you think? Ask yourself. What do I think about myself? And pat yourself. You're doing a good job. That's what I want to end with. Oh, wow. So beautiful. Thank you so much for that. There was so much value there. Amita, thank you so much. And so if somebody wanted to reach out to you to connect with you or to find your app, where could they go to do that? So website is www.nourishdoc.com and hello at nourishdoc. Nourishdoc is N-O-U-R-I-S-H-D-O-C.com. They can reach me directly if they want to send an email. Like I said, the app comes out by the end of this year, December, January timeframe, early next year. So feel free to check it out and let me know what you think. Amazing. We will definitely. Thank you so much, Amita. This is beautiful today. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember, you are an inspiration.